This week on the Boag World Podcast, it's all about the performance of your site, changing your career, and discussing the fact that pop-ups just never seem to die. Hello, hello. Testing, testing, one, two, three. Marcus Lillington, do you hear me over? Yes, I'm on the other end of the line, up in Hartley Whitney in Hampshire. Isn't this, isn't this telephone graphic <laughs> technology amazing? How, how long can we keep this up for? I don't know. That's long enough, <laughs> I think. I think that's quite long enough. <laughs> hello! Hartley Whitney 29, that's my phone number. Do you know, I remember days when it was like that. Yes. You didn't have 01258, which is my area code. You, it would just be Hartley Whitney 451545. Yeah, but not. I'm, seriously, a friend of mine, where he, he used to live on, on in one of the big houses. Uh, and he can remember, He's I mean, he must be in his 60 now. He can remember when he was a small boy, he was taught to answer the telephone, Hartley Whitney 29. That was their number. That's, that's just amazing, isn't yeah. it? Which it was, it wasn't completely uh, pulled from the air. So, so there we go. <laughs> so you've now given away somebody's phone number. It's not that anymore. He doesn't. No. He doesn't live in the big house anymore. I remember as well when they they started adding more numbers to the area code. You know, yeah. it, it used to be O two five eight, and then it had a one inserted in it. So yes, and then of course our children will go. I remember when they stopped having phone numbers, and we all used Facebook. <laughs> People don't talk to each other on Facebook. I suppose they might do, don't they? Eventually, well, you can do now. You can, you can. They're, they're, Facebook have started to roll out free calls on their um, via it. You see, so it's all going to go. Really, it's all going to go IP. Yeah, yeah. Got, I didn't know that. Keep up with what the kids are doing, Marcus. Yeah, come on. Uh, I know, but. Um, and I kind of do that, you know, we use Skype in, uh, for many, many internal meeting calls, that kind of thing. But I'm... I'm it's shit. It's it, well, <laughs> it just VoIP in general is shit. Well, it's not. That's, that's unfair. Sometimes it's shit. And sometimes... And that's not good enough sometimes. Sometimes it needs to always work well. Yes. Um, I've done... Um, Lee, who was often on the show, was he on last week's show? I think he was. Um, yes, he was. Um... I, I have forced him to install a land, landline in his house um, because he works from home nearly all the time. And he basically he, he's the kind of designer uh, UX person on on um, uh, the big the big uh, law firm that we work for in the states. And basically, he would kind of drop out of calls every five minutes. So yeah, they're rubbish. I know. But it, well, it, it ranges, doesn't it? Because it can go from sounding. I mean, this we're we're on a phone at the moment. Not that people will be able to hear that mm. because we're recording separately but we're, we're doing this over a phone because we don't trust skype and you get these delays don't you where and then you end up talking over each other really awkwardly which you don't get on a normal phone but it has to be said when skype's working properly it sounds far better than this does this sounds all a bit crackly and kind of 1940s doesn't it i think that's your end paul i've got a, i've got the equivalent of an old bakelite 1940s phone here but it you know with a wire going from the handset to the phone um because i don't trust 
I don't trust the airwaves, me. I don't, I don't <laughs> like, I don't like new technology. Yeah. No, but anyway, I bought, somebody bought it for me. I can't, I don't think it was my wife. Somebody bought it for me for Christmas one year. I thought, well, that's going to be, yeah, what a fat lot of use that is. It's got no answering machine in it or anything. But then I kind of realised that I could just forward my landline here to my mobile permanently. So I only ever use it for outgoing calls. Nah. And it's brilliant. And it's absolutely brilliant. And it, th- this always sounds great. So, anyway. Oh, well, there you go. But, obviously, I'm paying BT for the privilege of this call, whereas if I'm doing it on Skype, I'm not. And that's a pretty major um, advantage. And also, you must be be sitting there holding a handset to your ear. Yeah. Yeah, but it's one of those massive old styly ones, so I'm literally tilting my head about two degrees to put it on my shoulder. That they, that's very bad for you. I know it is. You get told off, but it's a, it's such a you know it's just such an old it's fashioned so styly one. <laughs> it's actually um, it's only one or two degrees. It's not like a forty five degree angle to get it on my shoulder. It's massive. <laughs> anyway, there we go. So um, exciting news, Marcus. Well, <laughs> it's not, is it? It is. <laughs> it's really exciting. We have two audio questions on this week's show. Two. So by my calculations, that means. Two out of our three listeners have now submitted audio <laughs> questions. Because, I mean, I know we had an audio question in last week's, yeah. but it was obviously such a fake accent that it must have been you that recorded that one. <laughs> so, no, I, even I can't do that bad an English accent. Uh, <laughs> no, it means so, we've got so four we go. listeners instead of three, as you thought. <gasps> Shock. Well, no, because, I mean, obviously all of the written questions we've had, we've just made up. Those haven't come from real listeners. Of course, so then we've of had, course, yes. We, we've had three audio questions then. So two this week, one last week. So that's our, all three listeners. Oh, every, all, yeah, well, that's fantastic. 100% success rate. I know. Who, who else of gets course. that? I know. It's impressive, isn't it? <laughs> so there we go. I think, I think that shows the level of engagement that we have on this show <laughs> is 100% of our listeners there are many places out there, you know, there will be social media gurus that would kill for that kind of rate. So there we go. <laughs> so so should we actually listen to one of the questions and maybe, like, talk about it? I'll go on then. All right, let's try that. Hi, I'm Liam and I'm from Ireland. My question is, should every website use a service such as Cloudflare or Google PageSpeed to optimise their content? For instance, by reducing HTML size or combining CSS files. Thanks. So, good question from Liam. Straight into the question. No messing around. No waffle. Just pure question. Now, that was a proper accent as well. I know. That, that's another fake accent. Isn't it? <laughs> <That> was, <laughs> it was just such a stereotypical Irish accent. I thought it was a very nice Irish fake. accent. I wasn't taking the piss, Paul. I was saying what a nice accent that man has because we, well, I particularly have a really dull newsreader south, south of England accent. Yes. And he was so quietly spoken mm. as well. He, he really doesn't suit this show, does he? <laughs> With such a quietly anyway, spoken Anyway, I didn't really nice understand the question, so you're going to have to answer this one. He's asking about performance, basically. Okay. And saying, should you make your website perform well? Well, yes. <laughs> yeah i, I suppose pretty, what, pretty short question really yeah. um you can argue that maybe it, uh, i'm i'm gonna argue with myself now you're gonna de- you're, you're trying to come up with a scenario where you don't need to make a website perform well aren't you oh no i was going to compare it to 10 years ago for example right where 
you probably had to it probably had to be it depends what you mean by perform well if you mean just size of uh, of of the file that would and the images and things like that then chances are you probably don't need to be quite so um <gasps> concerned Ooh. maybe Ooh, marcus <laughs> i put you over my knee and spank you with that kind of attitude <laughs> um I, I, what a what about mobile? What about those poor users, you know, out in out in deepest, darkest Dorset, like me, that, that is trying to access your website via an edge network? Don't care. <laughs> Why should I care? <laughs> I was just trying to set the scene, Paul, of way, why you might think that you wouldn't possibly yes. uh, need yes. to worry about things... And I suppose there possibly was a gap for a while when we were on WAP phones, but we had de- better broadband connections where that might have held some water or weight yeah. or whatever. But we've kind of gone back the other way now. Although when everyone has a 4G phone, what then, Paul? Then performance will still matter. It, but not for the I reasons mean, we just said. No. I, I think performance is always going to matter. The faster your site, the happier users are going to be. Mm. Um, and I think it is a slippery road. I mean, you know, the average web page got to something like a megabyte at one point, mm. you know, of, uh, they just became so bloated because everybody went, oh, we don't care anymore. So, you know, we had all these wonderful broadband connections and our websites, you know, and, and accessing the web was no faster because effectively all the websites got bigger. Um, so I think we should always care about performance and the speed of our websites. And we've got another good motivation to care, which is that Google cares. Yes, quite. Um, and if, if Google cares, um, and if they'll punish us if we don't um, make our websites fast <laughs> and, and, you know, put us over uh, the proverbial knee again, then, then that's a good motivation to do it. You know, Google are saying that they are actually part of their algorithm now um, to rank your site is based on performance. And if it's based on performance, then you need to pay attention to it and you need to, to build sites that perform well. But it's, it's good anyway. It's a good thing that you should be doing. It is. In terms of... So, sorry, go I was going to say, they're, they're, it's not totally black and white, though, is it? I mean, sometimes if, you're, <laughs> if, if someone sends you a link and it's entitled Amazing Imagery from a Gallery of Photographers from the 50s or something, and, you think, and it's a massive page, you don't mind waiting for that. Um, and you no. want it to be as good quality as it possibly can be. So... Yes. I mean, I think, I don't think it's about, I don't think necessarily it's about page size. I think it's naive to get into this kind of argument of, you know, all pages should download in 10 seconds or or whatever. I think what it's, it's about is optimizing quality code, what you have to be as good as it can be. So sure. If you have a, if you have a whopping great high quality images, um, and they need to be high quality images, then yeah, sure, you know, make them high quality images, make them big, and that that's okay. But make sure you're also um, providing lower quality for mobile devices that download quicker, because let's face it, you're not going to be able to make the images big on a mobile device anyway, so you're not going to see the same level of detail. Um, you know, also make sure that you are, as he talked about, minifying your um, HTML and your CSS and your JavaScript. Make sure you're using um, services like Cloudflare. So let, let's talk through some of the things that you can do. Right. For a start, 
a good starting point is is to minify all of your um you know your assets so things like your html css and javascript and and increasingly now there uh, there are all kinds of compilers that people are using because people are writing more and more stuff in things like less and sass um it means that uh, those have to be compiled before they go into a production environment anyway. And so whatever compiler you use, whether it be Hammer or Mixture or um, uh, CodeKit, link in the show notes to all of those, mm. um, then that will automatically minify it all for you. If you don't do it that way, then there are ample tools online for, for minifying code and keeping it nice and small. Um, what that does mean is you have to have two sets of all of your files. You have your kind of unminified version and your minified version, yeah. um, which is fine if you're working with something like SAS or less. Um, if, it, if it's not, then you might want to look at server-side minification. So, you know, um, you can get plugins for WordPress, for example, that minify your code for you and keep it nice and small. So there's that is one aspect. Second aspect is um, reducing the number of calls to the server. Um, as we talked about last week when we talked about sprites, mm-hmm. do you remember yes, when we talked yes, about sprites? Yes, yes. So the, the fewer calls you have to the server, um, the, the faster your page is going to render. Um, so we talked about sprites and about combining your images. So that's one way of doing it. But you could also, um, things like JavaScript, increasingly when we start using things like jQuery and jQuery plugins, you end up having half a dozen different JavaScript files all being called in, um, which is all a little bit silly and they can all be combined into one file and downloaded in one go. Um, so that's uh, something else that you can do. Um, you could do the same for CSS as well. You can combine all your CSS into multiple files. I know a lot of people like to split out their CSS into like typography, layout, things like that. But again, if you're using something like SAS or less, then you can still do that, but compile it all together into a single um, a CSS file that's downloaded in one go. Mm. So that's something else you can do. Um, images are another good one. Um, images obviously take up a lot of um, download. You know, they're, they're one of the more bandwidth-heavy elements of most web pages. So there's a couple of things you can do there. One is you can avoid using images. And increasingly, there are um, services, you know, <laughs> that you can do more and more stuff with CSS um, gradients and drop shadows and all of that kind of good stuff. Um, but also, as I was saying in last week's show, you can use uh, fonts to uh, do icons and that kind of thing. And then also, don't forget, there's things like SVG um, that can be used for stuff. Canvas as well can be used in some situations to avoid images. When you have to use images, um, don't rely on Photoshop. (laughs) Um, Photoshop, when you save an image out from Photoshop, even if you save for the web, um, it basically does horrendous jobs at uh, at kind of compressing that image. Mm. Yeah. So there are all kinds of... Um, it's particularly bad with PNGs. Um, so there are, there are all kinds of tools. Um, uh, I use a tool called Image Optimizer, uh, Optimi, which is op- um, Image, O-M-T-I-M. I'll put a link in the show notes. That kind of optimizes my images locally. Um, but also, um, there are online services. Um, there is Smushit which is um, a Yahoo product. Again, link in the show notes to that. 
um, and you can basically upload your images to that or point it at a website and it will compress the hell out of all your images in one go. I tell you what I do with WordPress, which is that I have a plugin called for, for Smush It um, that, that integrates into WordPress. So essentially, if ever I upload an image to WordPress, it automatically compresses the crap out of it for me. <laughs> um, so you can do some cool stuff there. Then obviously, there's the, the option with mobile devices of delivering different images depending on the device. Um, so you, you provide a higher resolution to a, a desktop device. It's interesting, this one, because, of course, you know, a lot of people could be using their um, their mobile device at home on a Wi-Fi network, in which case that's not a problem. Or equally, somebody could be using a laptop tethered to a mobile device on a crappy edge connection. Mm. So, yeah, it's difficult, that one, um, as to what you do. In the UK, we have the advantage that um, the network themselves, the cellular network, will compress the crap out of the images. Um, and Dan Shearman wrote a post on that a while ago, linking the show notes, about how essentially you don't really need to do uh, too much mobile-specific optimization um, because it's done by the, the carriers. But we've discovered since that that's more of a UK thing mm. and it's not as much abroad. So certainly lots of things there. The one other thing that you mentioned was something called Cloudflare. Now, Cloudflare is a um, C, um, CDN. If I got that the right way around, I want to say CND, but that's a different thing. <laughs> that ages it, yeah. you quite badly, Paul. Does it yes. really? Oh, dear. <laughs> um, so a CDN is a content distribu- distribution network, I think is what it stands yeah. for. Um, and essentially what it's doing is it's taking all the assets from your website, your CSS, your JavaScript, your imagery, um, all the rest of it. And it's um, spreading it out across servers all around the world. Right. right? So even if your ho- your site is hosted, say, in the UK, um traditionally the problem would be is if you were in india then to access my website in the uk you have to um essentially you know travel through those tubes yeah. so connect to, to england and as we, yes and as we know those tubes get blocked mm. um and so you don't always get the content as fast as you perhaps could do so with a cdn essentially it is spreading that out so there will be somewhere in india where your content is downloaded from um, Cloudflare has turned into quite a popular one because um, some major um, uh, hosting environments like Media Temple have got that built in um, with it. Also, it, it integrates very easily into um, things like WordPress. Um, but whether it is, I, and also it's got a free option. That's the other big thing. You don't have to pay money if you're a small site. Mm. And I, I run Cloud, Cloud Flare on Boag World, um, and I, because it's free, Didn't you and have a problem with it, though. Yeah, well, that's what I was coming to. Is that I have had problems with it in the past. Um, it tends to be a bit kind of temperamental, and it goes down sometimes and takes your website with it. So I think uh, it's certainly not something I would recommend to a client. No. Um, you know, I think I would. There are many other um, CDNs out there that could be used instead. So there's all these things you can do, and then of course that's not even taking into account the kind of um, kind of server side 
um, performance optimization that you can do. So, you know, in terms of database calls and, and caching content and all that kind of stuff, which to be honest is, is beyond my, my realm of knowledge. That's a kind of much more techie area. About the limit of my knowledge for that is that in WordPress, you can install, you know, certain plugins that, that do all of that caching and database optimization and all the rest of it for you. Um, so you just install those, set up the default, you know, kind of settings on them and, and hope for the best. And, and it's pretty good, actually, yeah. most of the time. But I tell you what, it, it is worth doing. It is really, really worth doing. The performance on the latest version of Boag World is lightning fast compared to some of the previous versions where I, I hadn't taken the time to do this optimization. And it makes an enormous difference and it is really worth the time. Cool. So there you go. That's that. Hopefully answers Liam question, uh, Liam's question. Yes, you should be worrying about performance. I know everything I've just dumped on you sounds sounds so complicated, <laughs> but actually it's not. Um, it's the kind of thing where you have to faff around for a little while to set it up initially. Um, uh, but most of it just kind of runs and does its thing. You know, if all you do is minify your HTML and CSS if, um, and reduce the number of calls to the server by creating sprites and, and combining JavaScript and CSS, then that's a huge step forward. You don't need to do everything at once. And as um, uh, Liam pointed out in his question, there are some great services out there for measuring the performance. And uh, Google's page test, uh, page speed test, um, link in the show notes, is a really good starting point. And it will give you recommendations of how to improve things and talk you through how to do that. Um, so it really doesn't need to be quite as scary as it sounds. And if I can do it as someone with very little back-end server-side knowledge, then you can do it too. All right. I think that's that's Marcus. You had loads to contribute to that particular question, uh, so thanks for your contribution. It made a big difference. Oh, sorry, I was just woken up. It's not really your thing, that is it? No. Should we should we move on to an, another question and and hopefully um, it's something you might have something to say on. Okay. Hi guys, I'm currently a software developer at a mid-sized company, and I'd like to start my own consultancy. I've put together a website and a portfolio, but I'm not sure how to begin transitioning from a 40-plus-hour work week to freelance work uh, without just quitting my job outright. So, thoughts? Wow, that's a good question, Alex. Um, I don't know. I, I don't think we are at all um, qualified to answer this question, Marcus, because of the way Headscape started. Yeah, but we have answered this question many times in the past, but not for a long time. We did a whole series on on um, setting up and stuff like Or maybe we didn't. I, th- I think we've been answered... I think you're imagining this. I think we I might have been asked a similar this. question in the past on one or two occasions. But, um, yeah, I mean, I just think we should just make some sweeping statements, Paul. Um because I mean, not not being qualified to answer questions has never stopped us before. <laughs> exactly. It? I think you should just say, just quit the job, mate, Alex. Just walk in, just quit the job. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Off you go. By the way, um, any advice that we provide on the show is not legally binding, and we insert various disclaimers. That means you can't sue us. Right. So that... I, it's a, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because uh, uh, well, no, I was going to say that's just me being silly. Um, but I mean, there's all, there is a kind of 
it's difficult, isn't it? I mean, you you think about our situation, how we started Headscape, that essentially we were made redundant. Yeah, but we had and loads we, of loads of work to do. We were sort of midway through projects with other with with clients who kind of yes. needed help. Um, so it wasn't so bad. And if you, but then, yeah, I was going to say, even though I was joking around, uh, so, um, they're saying, yeah, quit your job. If you, if you've got a big client who's who wants to work with you that will keep you fed and watered for i don't know a few months then why not that would be my attitude because chances are you won't be able to satisfy that client if you work on evenings and weekends yeah uh, i mean it is it is terrifying isn't it there's no way around it i mean even in our situation it was scary you know i remember that first week of us going around all of these clients that that you know and saying okay we're, you know, the old company has gone under, but we're willing to rescue you. There was still that. Oh, is this going to work? Are we going to earn enough money out of this? You know, it's a scary thing to have to do. I think it is. Um, uh, but I'm also going to contra- contradict myself again by saying, if you go out on your own, chances are for the first year you will work more like seventy or eighty hours a week. You know, for yourself, even if you don't, if you. If you walked out of your job tomorrow, and assuming you were capable of getting the work in, you would probably end up doing double your previous hours, which kind of, there's a logic to that that suggests then, well, surely you can do your 40 plus hour a week job and do 20, 30 hours freelancing on the, you know, as well as that, which is what most people do, to be fair. Um, yeah, I mean that's you know we, we that is how people do it, mm. and it, it's bloody hard work. Yes, you know, um, and you're right. I, I I think I look back on those first days of Headscape a little bit um, it, through rose tinted glasses now because I struggle to remember working seventy hours a week. You know, but mm. I think I did. I just think you, you kind of enjoy it and you're excited by it, mm. and it's all new and and cool, and so you kind of just keep going and. And, you know, I know a lot of people um, that have made the transition from, um, you know, working <laughs> in some cases, working for Headscape um, and then have gone on to freelance. I'm thinking about Ryan here. Yeah. And, you know, he basically built up um, a, a, a number of clients in the evenings that he worked for. Um, he also put a lot of effort into building up a network of contacts as well. You know, so he made uh, a lot of effort to attend conferences, get to know people, um, so that when he went freelance, not only did he have some existing clients that he was uh, he'd been working for in the evenings, but he also had this big network of people he could ring up and say, "Hey, I'm going freelance now. If you hear of anything, let me know." Mm. Um, and he has, you know, he's made a career out of basically working collaboratively with um you know with other people other freelancers that were doing it before him and you know have taken him on to kind of help with specific projects and in specific circumstances and and you know and so that's how he's kind of grown his business and i think you know that's the kind of way it works yeah i mean we've Um, we've sent some the the odd inquiry his way so yeah yeah absolutely and then you could look at Rob's case, Rob Borley, who, who worked with us for a long time. I mean, he's another um, example of, of a different way of doing it, which is that, you know, he was kind of running a little bit of a business on the, on the side, doing a few bits and pieces. 
Um, and then he pitched for and won a piece of work that was way too big, and he knew he wouldn't be able to do it while working with us. And that was the that was the the kind of instigator when mm. he won that. It was like, okay, now I've got to go for it. Um, so there are lots of different ways of doing it. The other way is I that I've heard is you know get yourself made redundant, get a redundancy package, and use that as startup capital. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, as long as you've got somewhere to live and you own a computer and you can, yeah, I don't know, you, there aren't that many. Uh, to to run a, a a web agency or to do web related work the 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 outlay is not massive no. not at all i mean it's not like you want to you know even if you want, if you decided i, I don't know i'm going to set up a shop and i'm going to sell my own design t-shirts it would cost you thousands to get enough t-shirts in that shop to you know to to, to kick it off but you don't need that you and to get the shop yeah 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 exactly so if you can work from your back bedroom uh you've got a computer and a and uh you know, uh, an internet connection then in, and a phone, I suppose. Although, as we said earlier, you don't even need the phone. Um, <laughs> the the outlay is not great. So, from that point of view, it's not a massive risk. I mean, the the I, I guess you you just need to make sure that you're earning enough to be able to keep yourself fed and pay yeah, the rent, yeah, or whatever. Absolutely, and yeah, and that's the key. I th- I think I'd also go through your own personal finances. And, and look at how you can really cut back to the absolute minimum and cut back now. Don't cut back just when you go free, you know, full time. Cut back now and start putting that money away. You know, live as if you're you're freelancing um, because then you can that money can act as, you know, seed capital to keep you going in the first you know f- few months. Mm. But, yeah, it's. It's hard work. It's you know, if you want to do this, you've got to work a lot of hours now. You've got to build up a lot of contacts. You've got to live, you know, as cheaply as you can for a while to get some money behind you, and then you've got to go for it. But in everybody I have ever spoken to that has taken this leap and gone for it, every single one of them go, "I wish I did it sooner," and it went a lot smoother than I expected it to, and I had you know work coming in that kept me fed. Um, so, yeah, so I, I, I don't I, think it's we've as had, scary as it sounds. Sorry, we've had that conversation, haven't we? You only ever hear from the success stories. You, you, the people who who've done it and it worked out for them are the only people that talk about it. Yeah, you don't get. Yeah, people, you could be right. You don't get people saying, "Well, uh, you know, I tore my hair out. I got really overstressed. Uh, I struggled to to win the work. I wasn't cut out to kind of do deals with people. I just want to do design work or whatever." Um, uh, so I went back to agency work ten months later. No one talks about that. Well, let's okay. Well, let's see. Let's you know. Let's test that hypothesis, <laughs> right? Um, if you if you're one of the other two listeners to the show, <laughs> um, and you have either become you know if you're a freelancer or have or tried freelancing at some point, post your experiences in the comments. If you go to bagworld.com for slash season forward slash six you'll be able to find this episode this is episode four and just post your comments in terms of you know did you go freelancing what went well what went wrong you know what what advice have you got for alex in this because the chances are people listening to this are far more experienced at doing this than we are to be frank yes um so you know get in there and and answer answer alex's question and see if see if you can help him out um, because it is a scary thing to do, and I think it's a thing that a lot of people are looking at doing. Um, what I would 
a, a kind of if you do decide to go for it, or even as a as a you know doing it part time in the evening, Alex, make sure you don't underprice yourself. This seems to be a thing that a lot of freelancers do when they start off is they underprice themselves, and the the reason that they do that is because um, when they're doing it part time in the evening, that you know, their, their hourly rate is all bonus money. You know, it's all kind of, it's all gravy, so to speak. You know, it's, it's fun money that you can throw around. So you don't need to make a living out of it. So you tend to underprice yourself as a result. Um, but also when, when you do go freelance, I think people tend to underprice themselves because they don't take into the, you know, they, they kind of go, okay, so five days a week, um, you know, with 52 weeks in a year, wow, you know, I can earn a lot of money doing this. I don't need to charge very much and I'd still get a great salary. But what you cost you forgetting is, is things like, you know, you might want to go on holiday sometimes and you won't get paid for that. Um, you know, it's a great tweet from Lee last week who works with us at Headscape saying, um, just got paid, which is great considering I haven't really worked very much this month because he kind of took his, <laughs> his whole holiday in one go, you know, and you don't get that when you're freelancing. So, you know, there's holiday to take into account, there's sickness, you know, if you get ill and can't work. Um, but then also, you know, really, you're only chargeable, what, 50% of your time at most? Because the rest of the time spent in doing sales and admin and things that aren't chargeable. So getting your rate right is a really important thing as well. That That isn't what you were asking about, Alex, but is a kind of a, an important part of the process, I think. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I mean, we could go on a lot further on this. I'm not sure whether we should. I mean, we start talking about don't don't. If you've got a bad feeling about a client, don't take it. Walk away. Yeah, and all that stuff. it's all of that. So. Well, this is why I do this this workshop, don't I? Running a successful web design agency, mm. and it's it's really interesting that every time, every time I talk about that online, the number of people that kind of jump all over it and go, "Oh, I really wish I could go to that. That sounds so good." Yeah, I mean, but in fact, I'm think in, in a nutshell, get a contract, um, and it it doesn't have to be full of legalese. It's basically just you know. It, it, if something's written properly, i.e. it is full of legalese, um, then chances are it would probably hold a bit more water. But a contract can be three sentences. You know, I, I, I'm trying to think of the right words, but basically I promise to do X and you, will, you promise to pay me Y. Uh, that's a contract. Yeah. So get it written down, get it signed, and get some money up front. Don't, yeah. you know, don't, don't, uh, don't do all the work and then you know make it live or whatever or deliver it and then sit around month after month waiting to be paid i tell you when at some point when things are a little bit slower ha 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 like they ever will be i am going to start i'm going to do a kickstarter program you know kickstarter where you can um just find out whether people are interested in in a product you're producing i'm going to do a kickstarter for this and i'm going to do a video series on on this kind of stuff all the things you need to know to set up a a um a web design agency um just so you know because i think there's such an interest in it i do know that i think SitePoint do something like this um uh, i'll link in the show notes if i can find it to that um which provides some advice about setting up by yourself and then there's also um uh treehouse of course mm. um that have got this kind of thing on there as well so you might want to check out those different sources that might help you out as well alex okay should we move on to our final question okay <laughs> 
Okay, unbelievably, our final question is, uh, it's just a text question. So I'm going to read it. I know. How sad. I know. This and in fact, it's come from, it's come, this question came in different forms from different people. There you go. It's from Peter Spooky. Wilson and DJ Forth. We've, we had DJ Forth last week, didn't we? I, um, or was it the week The before? name rings a bell, yes. It was when we had lots of kind of amazing names. Weird names. DJ Forth. Yeah. Um, the show where we made up all the names. <laughs> He's back again. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, okay, right, I'm going to read them. I've seen on quite a few designer slash agency websites now that when displaying an external link, the target is not set to underscore new. And the second question is... Is no, that's it's part of the same thing. Uh, it keeps going. It's all one question. Oh, so it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear! Well, that, for a start, that first one was a statement. Not a <laughs> yeah, Marcus, your your level of preparation amazes me. Would you like to start that again so the listener knows what the hell's going on? All right, here we go. From the top, yeah. good place to start. I've seen on quite... What, from the very beginning of the whole <laughs> yeah, show? Start again, that's it. Start. <laughs> Your whole thing's been ruined. Uh, I'm delirious now. I've got to go and pack my case. Right. Anyway. But I can't do that because I've got another call in a minute. Uh, here we go. I've seen on quite a few designer slash agency websites now that when displaying an external link, the target is not set to underscore new. Is there any reason for this? Does it help with SEO? I always thought it was bad practice to force a user to click back to get back to your website. Dot, dot, dot. And it's interesting that DJ Fourth's version of this question is almost the other way around. He was saying, um, you know, a lot of people seem to be using, um, you know, uh, opening a new window. Mm. Um, and why is that? I thought that was bad practice. So there's obviously a little bit of confusion about this entire area. Mm. Um and it, this this kind of do what you like this guys. whole thing about yeah do whatever you want we don't care it's not our problem suck it up I mean it's also that you could extend this question couldn't you to to bloody modular windows that seem to you know mm. yeah everybody decided pop ups were bad didn't they yeah. right mustn't have new windows opening and so. Um, and so now, instead of that, they all open these modular windows that are actually just layers over the top yeah. of the, the, the website. And so we're just repeating all the same bad practice all over again. So let me make clear my position on this issue. <laughs> I am laying down the law, people. I don't like new windows opening full stop. Mm-hmm. The reason that I don't like it um is because um it breaks the browser back button okay yep. so because you're opening a new window um, that's good enough paul it, yeah <laughs> to be honest you could stop there yeah. um it can be a lot of users if you sit and do usability testing a lot of users are still confused the hell it confuses the hell out of them when when um you know suddenly a new tab or a new window is opening you know, it's like, oh, what's happened? What, what, what was that flash? What's gone on? So it causes a lot of confusion. Um, it creates problems from an accessibility point of view mm-hmm. uh, for the same reason that the back button is broken and, you know, and users, uh, you know, if you're blind, you don't know a new tab's opened. You don't know what has happened there. It's just the back button has suddenly stopped working. Um, so 
my general feeling is that wherever possible, avoid it. There's no need for it. You know, a user is quite capable of pressing a back button. Um, they're used to that. It's a built-in piece of functionality in the browser. In fact, a general good rule of thumb is never, never break any default browser, you know, uh, settings, really. Anything that the browser does by default, don't override it. Um, and, you know, users can open in a new tab if they want to. That's their choice. Um, and I don't think you should force that decision on them if, if at all uh, if you know, if you mm. can possibly get away with it. In terms of modular kind of overlays and that kind of thing, again, I feel very similar. I think there are places for those, um, but you have to be so, so careful because when you start um, doing these kind of overlays, you're, you're, you're potentially creating yourself accessibility problems because a blind person doesn't realize that that overlay has, been, um, has happened. And in often cases, the, the focus doesn't shift to the overlays, mm-hmm. right? Um, so they don't to them nothing has happened at all and and it's quite important that you carefully design that and you can design it in such a way that the focus does shift so that's that element but there's also other problems with it for a start that overlay has no unique url of its own so if it contains information and somebody wants to link to that piece of information then they can't do Mm. Um, and this is a problem that often occurs um, it, when you're updating or filtering or organizing stuff via JavaScript. And I can give you a really good example of where this happens. And it's on a site that I made. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it, it frustrates the hell out of me all the time. And every time I go, I must go around to fixing that, but I never have. If you go to headscape.co.uk forward slash clients, okay, we have this. Um, list of clients okay Um, and you can filter those clients by um, sector like education charity e-commerce or whatever and the number of times i want to link to just the list of e-commerce sites that we've worked on or just the list of charity websites we worked on but i can't because i haven't done the javascript properly to enable it each of those categories to have their own unique URLs. And this is often a problem that happens with kind of these modular overlays as well, is that they don't have a unique URL, and so you can't link to them. Also, the other problem, of course, um, with a modular overlay is if I hit the back button to get rid of the modular overlay, I'm not going to. It's going to take me to the previous page that I was on. Unless, again, it's been coded correctly. Mm. So... The long and the short of it is that there are lots of unintended consequences to things like pop-up windows, to things like modular overlays. And you have to be really, really careful that you don't kind of majorly screw stuff by, by you know, playing around with these kinds of things. I'm not saying there never, they're, you know, they, there never is a place for them. I think there is a place for all of these things, even opening, you know, an entirely new window. Um, but... I think they are rare and I think you need to be really careful when you do it. The other thing you need to be really careful for about opening a new window on a click event, you know, is that um, there are many, um, many people run pop-up suppressing plugins um, and some browsers even by default are set to uh, suppress these pop-ups. Um, so, you, you know, there will be many users that will never see that pop-up box that you've opened or that new window that you've gone to because their browser is designed to, to suppress it because it's so often used in such annoying ways mm. like for advertising and things like that. 
So, long and the short of it, don't use it unless you absolutely must. I think probably a good a, a good rule of thumb is on these type of things. What does the BBC do? And do whatever <laughs> they do. Oh, that's kind of moved on now. That's not what the cool kids say anymore. <laughs> well, now, now it's what what does gov.uk do. do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're the cool kids. But I was now. Gonna, I was going to provide a comparison to I don't know the Daily Mail online. I haven't checked, but I suspect that they open new windows. We might get hate mail now from the Daily Mail. Honestly, that is that is. I would say racist, but that's not right. No, it's it's not. not classist. That it's webist or something. Snob- I don't know. There snobbery fun- is what it's called. Paul. Snobbery. Yes, that's the word. I'm now going to the Daily Mail to see if they open pop-up windows. They probably haven't got any external links. No, they probably just don't link to other people. (laughs) Let's have a look. There must be... Okay. Or they get lots of comments, I know that. But I was just trying to find, think of something that has a... That's that's news, obviously BBC News. uh, You can compare that with a commercial news site and see what the comparison is. And which yeah, one would I tell you, you they, rather follow? They use lots of modular overlay windows. Do they? They do do that. But I can't find any external links to, <laughs> yeah, to, it's, to, it's prob- to get to It's anything. probably policy not to have any. Yeah. It's interesting what Google does, right? Because they've got on their website, they've got um, Google Ads, mm. you know, the, the text ads on their website. And um, I thought, oh, that'll open a pop-up window. So I clicked on them, and it doesn't. So Google Ads, by default, don't allow you don't do pop-up windows either. And I think what Google does is a good indication of of what to do and what not to exactly. do as well. Yes. So, yeah. So there are certain sites you can learn from BBC, Gov.uk, and Google. There you go. Yeah. Um, I'm reading a fascinating article about sex slaves now. So I kind of <laughs> you're on the Daily Mail I'm, site, aren't you? I'm on the Daily Mail site. You can tell, can't you? <laughs> Right. Anyway, yes, it'll, yes. It'll, it'll be Polish sex slaves stealing our jobs, probably ruining our probably. house prices. Yeah, it's probably <laughs> Polish sex slaves stealing the job of being a sex slave from us. <laughs> exactly. People. Yes, we want the right to be sex slaves too. <laughs> there we go. So fascinating. <laughs> Welcome to the world of Daily Mail readers. Um, which means nothing to people outside of the UK. No, well, so just wh- whatever your sleaziest paper is, it's that one. Is, it, is the Daily Mail the sleaziest? I don't know. Oh, it's the, well, it, it's, for, it's, for me, it's the most... There's a lot of competition. <laughs> uh, for me, oh, it's the most unpleasant. Let's put it that way. Yes, I know what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> it's, not, it's not the kind of, you know, it's not as as kind of core as the sun is if that makes sense and it's yeah but it's more unpleasant yeah, yeah. i don't find it i don't find it anywhere near so racist and uh, narrow-minded the sun yeah no that's true absolutely okay so on that bombshell <laughs> um oh we've got sorry i almost missed the joke I've got two. I've, I looked up a couple of Tommy Cooper jokes. So two. Um, do you know? Do did you know that Ian, Ian, who always emails us jokes, has been desperately trying to get jokes to you, but seems to have been failed. Fa- have you just been ignoring his emails. No, he's failed entirely. What? He doesn't know my email address. I've given it. Well, he, he was trying Marcus at Boag World, and he said it didn't get through. And then I gave him Marcus at Headscape.co.uk. No. And that obviously hasn't got through to you. No. Either. 
and he was tweeting you. We were having an entire tweet conversation about you. You're just ignoring our third listener. I have not had any tweets from Ian. It's Ian Lesky, isn't it? No, none, zero. That's bad. Mm, Or I've not picked any up anyway. Maybe I should just follow you, Ian. That would be easier, wouldn't it? Yeah, follow, well, follow see, it. Be easier is just send me an email, marcus at com. That gets through every time. Yeah, but that's what he's been trying to do, and it hasn't worked. Okay, maybe maybe it's going to spam. I've got a million jokes in spam. I think you're. I think you're spamming. You you've just ri- written the poor guy off, <laughs> no. even though he's our best joke provider. <laughs> anyway, go on. Then what's these two jokes? I went to the doctor's. He said, "I'd like you to lie on the couch." I said, "What for?" He said, "I'd like to sweep the floor." That's not a joke. <laughs> oh, what was the other one? I've got a whole list of them here, and I thought, yeah, that'll do. Oh, yeah. A policeman stopped me the other night. He taps on the window of the car and says, would you please blow, blow into this bag, sir? I said, what for, officer? He says, my chips are too hot. <laughs> <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> this is classic Tommy Cooper. Ha. It is. If you don't know Tommy Cooper, link in the show notes because you've got to you've got to watch him. Is I wonder whether he's still funny. I think he is. Yes. It was his delivery, wasn't yeah. it? Tommy Cooper was this kind of comedian stroke magician. Mm. I mean, his magic was just brilliant, <laughs> right? Because he would he would always screw it up terribly, but then it would kind of work in the end, yes. wouldn't it? It it was all very very clever. Very clever man. Wondrous stuff. Anyway, yes. He will be missed and all of that <laughs> you're supposed to say about dead people. That uh, he's very long dead now. He is very long dead. So perhaps, does that mean we don't miss him anymore? <laughs> well, Obviously we do because well, we're still talking about yes, it. Well, yeah, there you go. There we go. All right. Well, that's this week's show done. So next week, um, I think, is a normal show. Um, it, uh, I don't know whether we're doing it over the telephone or not. I think we are. Um, on Hartley Whitney 29. On Hartley Whitney 29 next yes. week. And then the week after that, we'll be live from Future Web Design. Yeah. Except not live, recorded at. Yes. Well, live at. So I've no idea how that's going to work. Well, we could be do live at. That'd be a laugh. Re- we could do, couldn't we? Relying on... on uh, a connection shared by hundreds of other people. <laughs> yeah, what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> now, we'll record something at um, Future Web Design, hopefully grab some intelligent people to say cool things on the show. That would be good. All right, well, talk to you again next week where we will continue with our Q&A session. Speak to you then. Cheers, bye. Bye. Oh, my God.